What is your knowledge of God? What is your experience, your understanding of God? What about when everything goes wrong? When adversity besets you at every hand? Come with me and let us together meet Ezekiel. And seek to learn something from him. In this first chapter of his prophecy. He saw the glory of the Lord. And this was the beginning of his call to serve the Lord. In what can only be called very difficult times. Firstly. Let us ask the question, who, where, and when? In the first three verses of this chapter, we see that Ezekiel is very careful to set the details out. He would, verse 3, have been a priest serving in the temple in Jerusalem, except that we read verse 1 that he was among the captives by the river of Jabbar. He was a captive, an exile of the Babylonians. He'd been carried away from the city of Jerusalem. And now, There he was, by this river. The time had passed. It seems he was age 30. Perhaps that was the regular time for priests to take up their work, although no definitive date or age is given in the scriptures for that. It was the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. Time had passed. The years had gone by. The captivity ran on and on and on. And then he had this Great vision. Let us think back for a moment. Why was there this captivity? What had happened in the history of God's ancient people? During the time of Isaiah, the northern ten tribes of Israel had been defeated, had been taken captive and dispersed by the Assyrians. Their empire was to the north of the Babylonians. Think of Nineveh, perhaps. Jerusalem was in the southern kingdom. Jerusalem 
where the temple was. The center of worship. But there had been idolatry. There had been a mixing of that which was contrary to everything God had said. With the worship practices in Jerusalem. And though there had been a time of revival under King Josiah. After the book of the law had been found. Yet these reforms had not altered the hearts of the people. Judah and the people of the southern kingdom had so gone over to idolatry that in Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1 we read this great challenge. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment that seeketh the truth and I will pardon it. was rather reminiscent of the days in which Noah had lived. Evil seemed to run free and grow worse and worse. Jeremiah had warned about God's coming judgment. But his hearers preferred the false prophets who proclaimed peace, peace, peace. They denied God's truth. And sadly today in the world in which we live, sadly today even within some of the broadest church community, sadly today many refuse to speak of sin and the way it is not only tolerated but actually promoted as good in our land. They claim the message of love and tolerance for themselves. But we live in God's world. Love must be defined by God. Love must be defined by truth. Tolerating that which is evil in the sight of God is evil. There is a consequence of a departure from God's truth. And the southern kingdom of Judah were warned of that consequence. And that's why the king, that's why Daniel, that's why Ezekiel and many others were to be found in Babylonian captivity as exiles. Daniel gives us his account of being a captive of the Babylonians. He was put on track to be an administrator for Babylon. He was a witness to the rulers of Babylon. You can read that in his book. In spite of what the modern critics say, Daniel was God's man in God's time and spoke forth God's word of truth. He was a prophet 
of the Lord. Ezekiel, however, we find him by this river with the ordinary people. He was an exile. He had been taken away from that great work of promise as a priest in the temple. He had spent years there with those people. And now he is going to learn so clearly that God is glorious. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is working out his purpose. And so, secondly, let us see for a few minutes that Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord. He expressly says this in verse 28. The end of this great vision, he says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. What an experience was his. As in this vision, he sees these great images unfold before him and seeks to put down with human words something of what he has said. You see, the people of Judah had been defeated by Babylon, but they still thought that their hope was in Jerusalem. They still thought they would be yet delivered. They still thought that the great God of Israel would not allow that temple to be destroyed. Jeremiah had issued a solemn warning. Jeremiah 13, verse 15 and 16. Hear ye, then give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he caused darkness. And before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains, and while you look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. They had been warned and Jeremiah at great length went on to explain that their hope lay not in Jerusalem but with the remnant taken to Babylon. However, neither the people in Jerusalem nor the exiles in Babylon accepted this. You could read Psalm 137 and hear the lament of those in Babylon who wept in their longing for Zion. You should remember that Jeremiah was older than Ezekiel, perhaps by about 20 years, I think, but their ministry ran in parallel. Jeremiah was in Jerusalem. Ezekiel was in Babylon. They both preached the same message. 
calling for people to acknowledge their sin, to see what God was doing, to repent and believe. When we come to this first chapter and we we hear Ezekiel's words, as he sees something of the appearance of the glory of the Lord, there are perhaps two great dangers before us. On the first hand, as we read it, we turn away from it and find it too complicated. We leave it aside, move on and think about something else. Although again, on the other hand, perhaps that imagery appeals to you. And you start to delve into all the little details. And begin to think about every little intricate bit might mean and symbolize. And you go off down little trails. Thinking about each element. I want to put it to you. That fundamentally we need to grasp the wholeness of this image. To see the complete picture that Ezekiel brought before them as he saw this image. The clouds, the fire, the chariots, the firmament or or platform, the throne upon it. What he saw, who he saw upon that throne. We need to grasp something of the awesome majesty glorious God I believe that this is the symbolism that Ezekiel is trying to explain to get across to us something of his experience of the wonder, the majesty, the power the glory, the sovereign rule of the holy God even as he was in exile in Babylon even as God's judgment upon Jerusalem lay ahead. Do you have a clear view of the holiness and the majesty and the power of God? As you read this chapter, watch as the elements build up one upon another. This glorious, undescribable picture. Ezekiel tries to convey to us something of that sense of awe and reverence that he felt and experienced. That which transformed his life. Motivated him and empowered him to go forward with God's message which you can read in the following chapters. He had a ministry of warning of God's judgment, which he had to do year after year after year before God's judgment upon Jerusalem and the temple took place. If you look at this vision, you see, verse 4, he saw 
a whirlwind come out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. Now the midst thereof as the colour of amber out of the midst of the fire. He saw the whirlwind came out of the north. Israel's enemies came from the north. Assyria had come down from the north. The Babylonians had come down from the north. But as Ezekiel sees this vision, it's brought before him that it is God who is coming out of the north. This great whirlwind. This amazing, beyond comprehension, vision of the glory of God. God overall sovereignly working out his purpose. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon were the servants of God, as Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 26 verse 5. The righteous God was on the move. He goes on to describe in verse 5, wheels and then creatures and four heads and wings. In Ezekiel chapter 10, we learn that these creatures are cherubim. They serve in the presence of God. They are glorious and powerful. We see movement. We see straight, direct movement. We see eyes. We see the Spirit of God move. It as he wills. And then there's a firmament. Or a crystal platform. On which one who is above all. One who is exalted and powerful. Sits. Ezekiel is painting for us a word picture. He seeks to describe the indescribable. As I read through this, my thoughts turn to Moses. How he stood before the bush filled with flames, but which was not consumed. The ground on which he stood was holy ground. Then think of Isaiah. The beginning of his ministry. What happened to Isaiah? He saw the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6. You can read about that in the first seven verses of that chapter. He was overwhelmed with his own sense of sin. He was a man of unclean lips. Isaiah saw the Lord in the presence of the seraphims was overwhelmed in the face of holiness. In John chapter 12, verse 41, it's made very clear to us that Isaiah saw the glory of the eternal Son before his incarnation. 
Isaiah's experience was very similar to Ezekiel's. And then on the mount, three of the disciples saw Jesus transfigured before them. Something of his glory shone forth. It too was overwhelming. Then think of the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. What happened to him? Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. He saw the risen Lord in the midst of the churches. And what wondrous symbolical imagery. He was sure. The majesty and the power of the risen Saviour. Ezekiel saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord transformed him prepared him motivated him for the work that the Lord had given him to do what was Ezekiel's direct response the end of verse 28 when I saw it, I fell upon my face. I fell upon my face. What else can we do when we think of the wonder, the holiness, the power, the majesty of the Holy God? let us bow and worship humbly confessing our sins even as Isaiah did see the apostle John bow to before Christ do you appreciate something of the awesome power and majesty the sovereign God Thinking about Ezekiel's ministry and what he went on to proclaim. What can we learn from it? What is the application of Ezekiel's message for us today? We need to be conscious and aware of God's holy presence. To know that God is working out his purpose. Even as he dared with the Babylonians. We ended our reading with the words at the start of chapter 2. Where we heard these words. Verse 3. Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. Thus 
saith the Lord God. Ezekiel had one job before him. To tell people what God said. That was his job. We see he ate the roll. The scroll on which God's word was written. Symbolically. He consumed God's word. Had it within him. Digested it. He prepared him. To proclaim it. Then. As you look through Ezekiel. You find that. There is chapter after chapter of judgment. Pronounced. Ezekiel. Is told. To live some of that out. And act some of it out. To be a witness and a testimony before the people. But then, after Jerusalem is destroyed by the Babylonians, and the people see that God's word is true, this message turns to one of hope. He proclaims, chapter 37, the valley of dry bones which will live. He proclaims that the Lord will raise up 37 verse 10, an exceeding great army. And in chapters 41 through 46, he describes the idealized temple with, in chapter 47, a stream, a river of water flowing from it, which brings life. They lived as exiles in Babylon. They seemed to be without hope. But Ezekiel was bringing a message that even a valley of dry, dead bones could be raised to life to serve the Lord. That God would work out his purpose. What is God doing? Today, well, if we just look back for a moment, we see that the nation did return. Even as Jeremiah had promised, the nation did return, at least a remnant. There were those who heard Ezekiel's message and believed it, who responded to it, they went back. The temple was built. The walls were built. Read about it in Ezra and Nehemiah. But there was no Davidic king. The ground remained barren. That tree had been chopped off. And lay as dead in the ground. How was God's promise to be fulfilled? We should remember that Isaiah had given a great promise. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. And he went on to say. 
chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God had said in Exodus 29 verse 45 I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. But Ezekiel describes how the glory of the Lord left the temple. The glory of the Lord left Jerusalem. And we do not read of that glory returning to the temple. It was only when that babe was born in Bethlehem. It was only when Jesus exercised his ministry in that land that we begin to see how this all worked out. As John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Those disciples saw something of the wondrous glory that Ezekiel saw. Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. When he said that, he was speaking of his body. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 we read, God who at sundry times and in divers manners has spoken unto us by his prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, who is the express image of his person, the brightness of his glory. Today we are not looking for a special revelation, a glorious vision like Ezekiel received. We open the scriptures and read of the Lord Jesus Christ. See in him God manifest in the flesh. See in him the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. See in Him the wonder, the glory of His resurrection. The promise. I will never leave thee. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I am with you, even unto the end of the world. And then for a moment think of Jesus visiting Jerusalem, visiting the temple at the time of the feast in John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He pictured himself 
as the source, as the giver of living water, even as he had to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. That living water which satisfies and gives life. Where did Jesus get this picture of living water from? Of life-giving water? Where did he get it from? I believe he got it from Ezekiel. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ today is the fulfillment of that great prophecy in our age. A river in a desert brings life. And that is what Jesus is doing in our world today. Isaiah called upon us. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come. What did he say? Come, buy without money and without price. Ezekiel pictured an idealized temple. Today, in this age, Christian friend, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, First Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Indeed, the church as a whole is pictured for us Christians. For us as Christians built together as God's temple in the world today. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints. And of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. This is Christ building his church against which the gates of hell shall not prevail. We appoint it to Christ. His incarnation the wonder of his sacrifice on the cross. The glory, the triumph of his resurrection. Dear friends, Ezekiel saw something of the glory of God. It empowered him, transformed him to undertake his long ministry Faithfully proclaiming God's law. Faithfully proclaiming God's grace. Dear friends, let us. Let us once more see something of the glory of God. Let us see something of the glory of Christ. And the wonder of his salvation that he has wrought. God is over all. Glorious and powerful. He is working out his purpose even as he did in Ezekiel's day. We are here 
called upon to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ called upon once more to say thus saith the Lord